As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everybody, what's up? Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, and Brandon Funston here with you. We are really approaching the heart of draft season. I would say, you guys, that this weekend really kicks off the heart of the heart of draft season. You're going to have three weekends in a row of just packed with fantasy drafts. So a lot of fun ahead of us, a lot of drafts ahead of us, and a bunch of episodes of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast ahead of us as well. Ahead of us in this episode, we're going to ask the question, does this matter? We're going to take a look at some of the things that have been trickling out of training camps or have been boomed from training camps, as the case may be in some of these circumstances, and ask ourselves, does this matter? Or is this just sort of -of run-of-the-mill training camp sort of stuff? Jake Seeley, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's uh, that first week is always going to be a lot of fun of what we really care about. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of nothing on the show. Not, I don't yeah. say like don't listen, but it's just like it's going to be like you know we're not we're not reacting too much just off one week. Yeah, exactly. Got to wade through some of that noise though, especially as I said with this weekend being really the you know unofficial kickoff to draft season in earnest. I would say ninety something percent of fantasy drafts happen between this coming weekend, Saturday, August twentieth, and. Labor Day weekend, basically, so a lot of noise coming out of that first week of uh, preseason games, plus the uh, week or week and a half or so of training camp that was before that. We're going to wade through that here. Mr. Funston, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm fighting. Uh, as you mentioned, we're down to our final three draft weekends. My big local draft, I'm fighting to get Superflex passed, and it looks like another year of it going down <laughs> in flames in the vote. Just dealing with some dinosaurs. I don't know how we ever got yeah. away from TD-only leagues, but somehow... We are. They just, uh, you know, Superflex is a bridge too far, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Fortunately, though, I'm sure you're in like eight leagues, so I'm sure you're yeah. getting your Superflex at scratch somewhere. I got my Superflex in the Flex League, so I'm doing okay. Yeah. Hey, I've, uh, <laughs> I've got a, I've, uh, I'm in a Superflex Flex League as well. Jake, my draft is on Tuesday, man. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Superflex Flex League? Superflex League? Or is it the Superflex League? Yeah, right. This, yeah. You've got to figure out some sort of branding with that. But yes, I am very excited for that. That's coming up on Tuesday the 23rd and kicks off a, uh, let's see, I'll have five drafts or three drafts and two auctions in the span of about 
12 days, starting with that one on the 23rd. So very excited, looking forward to all of that that we have ahead of us. Let's get into it here, you guys. Does this matter? This really came to me, you guys, because of everything that we've heard with Antonio Gibson coming out of uh, Washington camp. And then uh, I already had that idea. And then on Tuesday, the day that we are recording this, all over the map, Antonio Gibson. We hear that he's working with the punt team and then he's working with the third stringers, but then that he's back with the ones when they were actually doing offensive install, like just all over the map with Antonio Gibson. It goes back to a fumble that he had in the team's first preseason game. We know Brian Robinson has been involved, Jake. I mean, just all sorts of things with Antonio Gibson. This is really the purest, I think, does this matter that we have so far this summer. So, I mean, I think it matters, but to what extent maybe is really the better question when we're talking about Antonio Gibson. I think it matters, obviously. You know, there's been a lot of poor uh, poor looking information or terrible looking information to some degree on Antonio Gibson and then the practicing with the punt team. I don't know how much I'm worried about that. I mean, I, yeah, saw, that that doesn't matter. That one doesn't matter. Like like that. I mean that that makes your eyebrows raise because like why would you risk your running back out there? But yeah. there's they wouldn't be the first team to do this, so it's not. It's it's another basically nugget in the in the basket of like oh we should be concerned. So you know Ben Standig for us at the Athletic has mentioned this three weeks ago when I went on his show. Like he was already writing about this and talked about the Antonio Gibson losing goal line carries to Brian Robinson. So the thing is, is Antonio Gibson was going to cede his work to J.D. McKissick, but even when he was doing that before McKissick got hurt, he was still a top 20 running backs, both overall and in points per game. So you have that. So if he loses the goal line touches, then what? So it's a full-blown committee. I still think he's the lead in that scenario. He's too good to completely get erased from the equation. And so now you're looking at a committee and he falls to being an RB3. Here's the good news. He's dropped all the way down to round six and seven in drafts recently. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting that he is that committee running back. And if Brian Robinson is held off at any stretch of the imagination, you're getting enormous return value. You're basically, interestingly enough, like his value is going, so, pe- so many people are panicking on this news that it's his ADPs dropping so much for that staying in lockstep with worst case scenario. So mm-hmm. if he was still going fourth round, I'd be a lot more concerned. We should be concerned, but the good news is that the ADP is falling with him. Yeah, and, and I wonder how much of this is motivational. I mean, listen, I think yeah. if you just go on straight on athletic skill, I think Antonio Gibson is still going to win out over Brian Robinson. If you go on experience, Antonio Gibson has two years of NFL experience to Brian Robinson's zero. So is this just motivational? And if, if Antonio Gibson gets the message, like this may just all be water under the bridge and nothing to worry about, but – We've come so far, and I know that I'm not. I don't want to throw the person from NBC Edge under the bus, but the <laughs> latest nugget on Antonio Gibson says, as a final line, Robinson should be a ha- drafted ahead of Gibson, and that no. is that. I just was like, I couldn't have raised my eyebrows any higher. Like we are not that far. We are not that far uh, no. down the road on this, and so I, I think. As Jake mentioned, take advantage. Take advantage of the drop in in it, you know as you're seeing because of this hysteria. I think it's going to be overblown. There might be a more of a committee than than we wanted going in, but I do think overall it's going to be overblown in terms of how much this is going to blow up Antonio Gibson's value. 
I started in the uh, fantasy sports industry over at uh, RotoWire. Shout out, great guys at RotoWire when I was a junior in college, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And I think if I wrote something like that, I would have got uh, quickly received an email from uh, Jeff Erickson. <laughs> be like, yeah, you might want to rethink that. You yeah. might want to rethink that blurb right there. Right. I, that- I jump over there to just get quick news things. Every <laughs> once in a while, there will be some editorialization, some opining going on in there. And sometimes I shake my head, but uh, that was the all-time head scratcher for me. Yeah, that uh, that does not add up. I mean, it's, it's going to be something to watch for sure because um, you know we know that this is um, – this is going to be some sort of split regardless. Uh, J.D. McKissick's going to have his role. Brian Robinson's going to factor in. So there's going to be uh, multiple guys who are in that backfield who have a, a share of the offense that means something. I think we want to watch it. But I think it's important uh, uh, to, to note uh, what you did, Jake, the fact that basically and, uh, Antonio Gibson for this entire draft season all, all summer has been priced at the worst-case scenario. And he still is priced at the worst case scenario. Now the worst case scenario is just two rounds later than it looked like it would have been three weeks ago. And so I think sure. that the value is still staying in line with where it should be. So you can still get in on him, but gonna want to see. Uh, it would be nice to at least see or hear something, you know, a little bit positive about Gibson coming out of the D.C. area before we really sit down over these next few weekends and start uh, building our fantasy football teams. How about some of these injuries that we're uh, looking at with offensive lines, you guys, specifically the ones that jump out at me, are in Tampa and Green Bay because of uh, how much value we place in those offenses. For Tampa, it's the center, Ryan Jensen. Uh, Still don't have official word on what the uh, timetable is going to be for him, but this could be uh, a season ender for him. In Green Bay, Elton Jenkins off the pup list, but still maybe is not going to be ready for week one. David Bakhtiari still making his way back. He basically hasn't played football in about 18 months here. Those are two big players uh, in front of Aaron Rodgers on the offensive line. And so, Funston, I think uh, we do ultimately get to a point where this does – indeed matter because you're talking about guys uh, who who need to be out there for their teams to be playing at their best. Yeah, I think the, the bigger concern is probably in Green Bay, but these injuries may not be that long. Um, and, you know, if they if Bakhtiari and, and El- Elchin are back early, then it's not that big of a deal. But Rodgers is trying to assimilate to a bunch of new receiving options in addition. So, like, not having your offensive line in play, mm-hmm. you know, in, in perfect order is another, you know, another wrinkle in trying to get everything set. I think it's less of a concern in Tampa because it's a center. Right. Jensen may be out for the year. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But I, I, they have a third round guy from last year. Um, was it Hainsey or Ryan Hainsley? Or- and he got hurt too, but seems to have avoided worst case scenario when it let it look like was maybe going to befall him when he got carted off the field. Right, and you know, he if the rest of the line's intact, you can replace your center a little bit easier, and and this guy will be ready to go by season start, going against Vita Vea in practice. So, like, I don't worry so much about Tom Brady and company uh, as much as maybe it is for Aaron Rodgers. I'm not, I'm not hugely concerned about this overall, but if those guys on on the Packers end up missing multiple weeks into the season, that could become a concern. Uh, same thing. I I just I don't really have much to echo or much to do but echo Funston. It's the same thing as you know. I think any of these lingering two or three weeks from now would be a bigger concern. But you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of like these coming off the pup injuries. Like it's funny that it seems it, it it's people have already opinions of these situations, 
and then they're playing confirmation bias. Like, not confirmation bias and, like, the results are there, but it's kind of like, well, this person's back at practice and off the pup, so I'm happy. We knew this was going to be fine. And Or then you get the ones that are already concerned, and it's like, oh, he's back, but he's not back early enough when it's still cloudy, so I'm still concerned. They're just playing what you already were. Like, people already have their deep-seated thoughts or whatever it is. So I'm going to go back to the quarterbacks as kind of Fonson alluded to. It's like, I'm just I'm not worried about these kind of quarterbacks. My concern for the biggest part about Rodgers wasn't even going to be the offensive line or anything like that. It was just going to be who's stepping up uh, in my sleepers that we had, the staff sleepers. I mentioned Alan Lazard. Somebody's like, he's mm-hmm. the number one ADP wide receiver for the Packers. Yeah, he's still a sleeper because his number one ADP is in the 40s still. Like, so <laughs> like that's like I, that's what we're trying to figure out is where the, the, the distribution is going to come. Uh, you know, offensive lines, I think, are, are more important, in my opinion, you know, for the run game. I know, like you can't get your quarterback beat up all year, but mm-hmm. if it was Daniel Jones, I'd be more concerned about Aaron Rodgers than Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers knows how to handle even a mediocre offensive line. Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit more concerned about Green Bay than you guys are, just because we're talking really? about both tackles here. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, Bakhtiari hasn't played in, like I said, in like a year and a half. I mean, and, and I know, but they didn't play last year mostly. That's why. That's I, why I'm with you. I'm not saying you're right, wrong. Right. I was like. Yeah, so that's really the argument is that he didn't play last year and, you know, the Packers are fine. But, again, you're talking about a a team that is changing basically everything at wide receiver. Wouldn't be surprised to see them run the ball a little bit more this year if the line can hold up and let them do that. Aaron Jones is going to play a little bit more out wide, I would imagine. Um, I just just worry about both tackles coming into the year hurt. I mean, there's very, very uh, good possibility that they go out there week one and both starting tackles are inactive in Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Yeah. And Jenkins does seem like he's going to be back relatively early in the season, but that might not be the case for Bakhtiari. The thing here, though, is that when we talk about this in like a fantasy context, a does-this-matter context, it's not like suddenly I'm you know, pushing Aaron Jones down two spots in my running back rankings or I'm, I'm right. pushing Aaron Rodgers down at all. So like when the rubber hits the road, I suppose I'm saying it doesn't really matter because it's not changing how I draft these guys. But it is in the back of my mind, and I would just, I would love to, at least with Jenkins, we, I would love to see something from him over these next couple of weeks, these final couple of weeks of training camp, just to feel good about him, if not for week one, then for like week three. Because it's just, there's already enough unknown in Green Bay this season uh, that I would like, I mean, yeah, LaFleur runs the show there, but you know, they, they lost their offensive coordinator too. And it's not like Luke Getze was calling plays last year, but they still did lose. I mean, a lot of, there's been some brain drain in Green Bay, I guess is what I'm going after. And it might not matter as long as the brains of Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are there, but still I would like at least something to have a little bit more continuity than what we've seen for them so far. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Like, yeah, Mic like, drop. Yeah, yeah. Boom. There it is. Packers. They suck now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, let's get on to our next topic here, you guys. Does this matter? I think this one certainly matters. Cam Akers and the guy who just can't get healthy. Uh, you know, uh, the Achilles injury last year when we were all super excited about him coming in as a potential late first, early second round pick, gets back for the playoffs. Looks pretty decent in the playoffs. Excited about him this year. And now he's dealing with some sort of soft tissue injury in training camp. Again, just about three weeks from the start of the season. Daryl Henderson 
also dealing with a, uh, a a soft tissue injury. So this is something that, of course, bears watching, of course, bears monitoring, and maybe two weeks from now doesn't matter. But let me ask it to you like this, Jake. If you were sitting down to draft a team today, how far down, if at all, are you pushing Cam Akers in your rankings? Not at all. Legitimately, not at all. I've been 100% in on Cam Akers. Uh, this is not the only running back at this time of year. Player, period. It's like soft tissue. We know that they're more conservative with these kind of things. And Cam Akers doesn't have the injury history of soft tissue like Daryl Henderson does or, you know, Dalvin Cook or, you know, we go down the list of other players. Rashad Penny. Like these, these aren't like, oh, we've seen this before. This is just, you know, one of those ones where, you know, players themselves probably would have been like, if this was week one, I'd be playing, like, or whatever it might be. Like, we're not going to get the full story, but, you know, if this, this is another one, like, if it lingers, you know, if now it's week two and week three and he's still dealing, and it's for the same reason, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell, I'm more concerned about Elijah Mitchell because they definitively said Mitchell's not playing the preseason for a right. soft tissue injury, like the hamstring, like he's done for the preseason. That's more concerning than Cam Akers being like, all right, he's just missing a few days of practice. If they say we're shutting down Akers and you're not going to see him till week one, then I'll be concerned. And I still keep going back to what I said. They weren't concerned with giving him bell cow work in the playoffs with two other options they could have turned to coming off an Achilles injury you're not supposed to come back from. So I'd rather them play it safe and have him ready for week one being 100%. Um. I've dropped him down a couple spots, so I haven't been like from where where I was like two weeks ago. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't know that. And who knows? Maybe this this whole thing will drop acres down in drafts and maybe he will be more positioned to where mm-hmm. I might pick it's him possible. at where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Possible. Uh, but, I, you know, I generally just don't really want a Rams running back uh, kind of in general. Akers didn't look good, but I, I agree with Jake. Like everything the Rams have done on the field indicates that Akers is their guy. It can, it can be lip service to Daryl Henderson also looking like a starting running back, but look at, he was there a year ahead of Akers. They went out, they got Akers. They leaned on Akers coming back five months from an ace or from an Achilles injury. Like if they wanted Daryl Henderson to be a big part of, of this and, and like be a 50 50 player with them that that opportunity mm. has been there and they've, they've, yep. you know, just avoided it. So acres is their guy when healthy. I, I don't think anything that, that happens this preseason is going to change my mind on that. Just, you know, how, how much can he stay healthy and how good and productive he's going to be above and beyond what he was in the postseason last year is still the big question mark. Really, just excited to see this team get going because you know, like, I, like right right now, it's like the the big monoliths in the NFL are like McVay offense and Fangio defense, and I just I'm excited. So you know, McVay knows that better than anyone, and so I with when the adjustments are thrown at him, that defenses are making to what he's doing, what he's putting out there. Really excited to see what they do to anticipate and then adjust to those adjustments. And so I'm excited to see this team, and I hope that we get to see a fully formed Rams offense out there. And that certainly means Cam Akers being involved. Jake, I want to go back to you for a second here because you mentioned Elijah Mitchell. So let's throw him in this as well. Um, How concerned are you about him? If I recall correctly (laughs) from our first Elijah Mitchell discussion, you were a little bit lower on him to begin with because of the influence, of course, of Trey Lance. And I mean, lower compared with, you know, I'm I'm talking maybe mid-June ADP. He was like the last time we had a real robust Elijah Mitchell discussion. So now with this injury being heaped on top of it, is he just like off your draft board, barring some sort of crazy slide in a draft you're in? 
Not off, but the funny thing was, is like I'm team Elijah Mitchell. You know that. But when we had that discussion, for anybody that doesn't know what Mike's referencing, is I was a little off because of the scoring opportunities, worried about Trey mm-hmm. Lance taking some of those, and maybe the touchdowns aren't there. And the fact that Shanahan defines his roles, and Elijah Mitchell is just not going to be used in the passing game. So he's basically what I think at that time I even said like a discount version of Derrick Henry. Like you're just getting that kind of your one focus. But Again, we saw 27, 21, 21, 27, 20 carries in those. And that's when Debo was doing Debo things. So I was all yeah. about Elijah Mitchell. The, I, I chuckled because I said it on the All in Football podcast. I said it with Pat Mayo. At least it's like going to be the third time. So if anybody's hearing this, it's the third time you might be if you're listening to all the shows this week. I tweeted even on Monday. I said, Shanna Hannigan's rarely are just because he's changing his opinion. It's usually injury-based. And then somebody shows off in that injury Uh situation because he's got the Midas touch when it comes to running back. So everybody looks good. Yeah. The door has been open because it's an injury situation. He's not going to – he's not even going to see Elijah Mitchell until week one. That means – Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson, who people were excited about last year, Tyrion Davis Price, who they drafted this year, who I don't think is a factor. Shanahan's even downplayed him because, and that's the one thing. Shanahan is reluctant to turn to the rookie. He's like the last person he wants to turn to, but he has before, as we saw with Elijah Mitchell. I'm all saying this to say is now I legitimately have concerns about Elijah Mitchell. (laughs) So fifth, sixth round, I'll still take it because if he is the week one guy, 20 Mm -hmm. touches, likely mostly running in in that side of the ball, but... If Sermon looks good, they traded up for him last year. If Jeff Wilson, who has looked good, looks good, now I'm concerned. So where I would have taken Elijah Mitchell in the fourth, maybe late third, I, it's now fifth, sixth for me. Well, it kind of lands him in Antonio Gibson territory. So who are you taking, Eli or, or Antonio? And he, he X's, X's I'll stage take the, left. I, I was, I was, no, I was just about to let Barkley <laughs> scratch into the door. Uh, I will take, in these kind of scenarios, this is what I always say. I'll take the person who has an opportunity to finish top 10 of the two of them. It's still Antonio Gibson. Elijah yeah. Mitchell peaks out because of the lack of receiving game and then a little bit more of concern with Trey Lance taking the rushing touchdowns. Hey, you uh, know, uh, Shanahan is, I mean, take it to the bank with the uh, with the uh, run game production. I mean, that has just always been there, right? But, I mean, we're talking about a team that's going to be starting an undrafted 2020 player as their center, uh, a fourth-round pick at right guard this year. Like, I'm not saying we're going to be totally running away from these guys, but uh, there might be a, a, a question or two that we don't typically have about a Kyle Shanahan run game, and I am prepared for that to look incredibly foolish by week two. And, hey, Trey Sermon. I mean, how hilarious would it be if, oh, if after last year, full if Trey Sermon, yeah. right? If Trey Sermon just takes off and runs for 1,200 <laughs> yards or something this season. That would just be – that would be so perfect in every single way. Hey, Jake. I'm going to come back to you for this one because, you know, you're our resident Giants guy. So, Tyrod Taylor getting some run with the ones. And I know we talk about the fact that uh, playing with the uh, playing with the ones, whatever, it's, uh, it's, it's training camp, who cares, blah, blah, blah. Everyone gets time with the ones. You don't really know what a guy can look like unless he gets some time with the ones. Not true at quarterback. If you feel good about your quarterback situation, it is him with the ones. So here's Tyrod Taylor getting some reps with the ones in place of Daniel Jones. Does this matter? I think it does. And and, and Dable already was like, ah, this doesn't mean you know <laughs> Daniel Jones is still the guy. This is just we have to get the reps in this new offense and blah blah blah. But here's the thing, y'all. Uh, Eli Manning, when they switched offensive coordinators back in the day, we all talked about, if people remember, and it took him about six games before Eli Manning was back into his flow that year. Uh, I think it was around 2015, 16, somewhere around there, 17, somewhere in that range. 
and it took a few games and everybody talked about this. Like when you have a brand new offense and a new offensive scheme overhaul, it takes some time for the quarterback. Even that somebody, a vet like Eli Manning took time mm-hmm. to get settled in. This is concerning because you want Daniel Jones to get as many reps and get settled in as possible. Every single report, even from our Dan Duggan, looks awful out there. He's making terrible. He's making terrible throws. He's not connecting. He still can't get on the same page with Kenny Galladay. It's bad. And if you're giving first team reps, as you said, like we don't care much about running backs because you got to be evaluated. But you're talking about a new offense too, and you're giving the reps to Tyrod, like. What over under seven and a half games for Daniel Jones? If like I just, and but honestly, call me crazy. It might be good for Saquon Barkley and the offense if Tyrod's under center. It definitely looked good in one preseason game. It's not. It's tough to evaluate because there were second team units in there and stuff like that. But at least through one preseason game, it looked better with Tyrod out there. Yeah, I would just say I'm guessing. Dable's going in there saying, look at this. This NFC East doesn't have a lockdown number one team. We can be a playoff team. And I mean, the Eagles, you know, in Dallas are going to be better. But like, it would it be impossible for the Giants to beat one of those teams out and be in in the wild card? I I think Dable is probably believing that's a possibility. But you also don't have 100 percent confidence in your quarterback. And if you think you have a chance to make the playoffs, you better get that backup up to speed as well because as Jake says it could be eight games into the season and we need to make a switch because maybe they are hanging around 500 Daniel Jones looks terrible but they're like you know we can get Tyron Taylor and maybe have a better chance to make the postseason so I-, I can see why it's just not good for Daniel Jones but you know we all thought this was like okay the prove it year with the with the quarterback whisperer this will be Daniel Jones one year almost like two of last year you're just gonna mm-hmm. get the whole year you know to prove something and it may not be the case. I mean, it's just, it's such bad news for Daniel Jones. And this feels like something that matters for sure in real world football, maybe not quite as much in the fantasy world. I mean, yeah, yeah Tyrod is, Tyrod, we've seen some really good flashes from him. All right. We've seen some, some very competitive football from him. He was, I think, better in Buffalo when he was the only real chance he ever got to start than he ever got credit for. But that was the last time he also was a consistent starter. I mean, we're talking, so not only are we talking about given reps to the backup but we're talking about giving reps to a backup who is 33 years old actually according to pro football reference it was just his birthday last week so hey happy birthday tyrod if you're listening uh but a 33 year old who hasn't played meaningful uh, amount of football really since 2017 i mean he did play six games last year that's not a small amount but like on a bad houston team and i mean you had to go back to 2017 for the last time he started more than that Started one game in 2020, started three games in 2018, none in 2019. I mean, this is a guy who really hasn't seen much of the field over the last four years, and he's getting a look at things, at least an honest look. And so, man, I just think that this is uh, this is this spells bad news for Daniel Jones early in the season, and maybe it's water under the bridge, and ultimately doesn't matter. But right now, this feels like something that. Uh, uh, could gish, give us a, a little glimpse into who is actually playing quarterback for the Giants come October 1st. Again, it might be a good thing, though. <laughs> yeah, it, right? It might be. It might be. You never again go back to those Buffalo years. It might not be a bad thing for the uh, key worse. fantasy players involved. <laughs> that is definitely true. One more thing here, you guys, I want to ask if this matters and talk about uh, could it be worse? Well, it might, could be worse. Last year, New England. They got themselves uh, a competitive season. We saw Damian Harris put together a 15-touchdown season. Mac Jones, a totally competent rookie season, especially when you consider the talent around him. He also had Josh McDaniels in his ear that entire season. McDaniels, of course, 
now gone, head coaching once again. And so in steps old New England friends Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. We're not really sure who the offensive coordinator is. We're not really sure who's calling plays in New England right now. Bill Belichick seems to potentially be involved, but it's this like hilarious incompetency battle between Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. My question, though, Funston, is does this matter at all? Well, it gets to the... The bigger question is, do offensive coordinators matter? Because, that you know, New England basically doesn't have one. I mean, Matt Patricia was a defensive coordinator. Um, I, I, I think it matters a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it basically you're looking at an offense that's probably going to be very unimaginative, not going to be, you know, significantly different than what we saw last year. Mac Jones's growth as like as a as a as a passer is probably going to be a little bit stunted. I don't think he'll be bad, but. I think they're just going to, you know, you know, just kind of continue on with what we saw last year. They're probably going to go with what they know uh, and carry over a lot of what they did last year. And it's going to be, you know, probably Mac Jones with a lot of intermediate and short area safe passes and, um, and probably lean very heavily on that running game. And at least we got some clarity with James White retiring and Ramondre Stevenson looking like he's going on to Wisconsin. Re- James yeah. White, Super Bowl MVP robbed. Robbed a Super Bowl, whatever that was. <laughs> well, did he have like 13 robbed. catches in that game? Yeah. Um, Three touchdowns, it, including a walk-off yeah. overtime touchdown? Come on. Should have been the MVP. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson uh, splitting the role and getting the James White passes. I'm excited about that. I'm not excited Me about too. anything in this passing game, though, to be honest with you. Jake, I'm going to jump in for a second. That's why I think this doesn't matter in the fantasy world because, like, I barely care about anyone in this team in the fantasy world, anyways, and it doesn't really change how I feel about Damian <laughs> Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Go ahead, Jake. No, I, I had zero care about. I have actually zero <laughs> shares now. Come to think of it, of anybody in the passing game, including <laughs> yeah. Devontae Parker, who I think if could stay healthy, but you know, uh, I mean, no, this no. is finally the second year he has a good year. Right, it's basically Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson. I agree. Is yeah. uh, actually said this on the podcast. My other one too is that this could be the Broncos. They're both top 25 this year because yeah. they're that much of a split. And if you're going to absorb James White's role into those two, instead of giving it a complete third option, mm-hmm. then thumbs up for both of them. Those are the only two I want. Yep. Definitely feels like both of those guys could be productive and then nothing else that you want to be involved with, with this new England team. And Hey, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. It's basically what they showed us once they got out from underneath Bill Belichick's wing, and now they're back underneath it. Might still be the same deal for those guys. That's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For Jake and Funston, I am Michael Beller. We're back with you with one more episode later this week. Until then, have a good couple of days. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.